Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We have been in a series. Um, Clements, you can put the slide up, the very first slide. Um, We've been in a series. Um, Just going to wait. There we are. Jesus Christ. The answer for every generation. We introduced this a couple of weeks ago. And it's an overview. It's a series looking into the person and work of Christ and how Jesus is the answer to human problems in every generation. From beginning to the end, Jesus is the answer. Amen? Amen. And in the first week, Wish brought a message on how Christ was both human and divine, both fully God and fully man, and what that meant. Had Jesus not been both fully God and fully man, he would not have been able to sufficiently make a way for us. That was one of the highlights that I jotted down, scribbling down in my notebook from that week. And last week, Pierre shared about how Christ is our Redeemer. We have always been in a covenant with God that is a contract with him. There was an original plan for humanity, but this was marred when sin came into the world. But God made a way to bring about a new hope, a new covenant, a new contract, as it were. And it's our last chance before he comes again to enter in with him and to step into a promise. If you've not heard these messages, if you weren't here the last few weeks, good news. We record them. They're online. You can catch up. And I I implore you, if you've not heard them, listen to these messages that have been shared because they're just so, they open up more about who Christ Christ is, who he is to us. But this week, I'm sharing, you can do the next slide please, Clements. This week, I'm sharing Jesus Christ living victoriously by growing in him. Living victoriously by growing in him. And when you look at that statement, what is the one thing that stands out to you? Victoriously, right? That stands out, doesn't it? Living victoriously. The positive affirmation. It's like the goal. It's like the desire. I want to get to where the grass is greener on the other side. Have you ever say the grass is greener on the other side? And we're like, we desire that. To live in the victory of Christ. Many of us may say, I want to be a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more stable. When I look at that, living victoriously by growing in him, I'm like, my ears prick up. I'm like, yes, I want to step into this. And this statement is commonly exerted in the Western church, more so, I believe. Because living victoriously in him is the byproduct of our faith or the reward of our faith. So often we can fall into that thought process, and I challenge myself in this, having the desire or goal for the byproduct of our faith, the reward of faith, rather than pursuing the requirement of faith. Remember what Pierce said last week, we're in a covenant with God. And when you're in a covenant with God, when you're in a contract with God, there are obligations non-negotiables. And so when I look at that statement, I don't see the living victoriously. 
I see in him. That's what I focus. That's what immediately when I got this title to share on, I looked at it, I was thinking, yes, first and foremost. But then I looked at it, I was thinking, I'm immediately drawn to those two words. In him. In him. Because that's the key. If you're not in him, we cannot expect that. And you want to put up the next slide for me, Clements? In him. The terms in him and in Christ are found around 180 times in the New Testament alone. And Paul uses them 143 times in his epistles. 143 times. When I look at Paul, when you look at the writings of Paul, he got it. If anyone got it, it was Paul. He always sought to glorify and to magnify Christ. Even in jail, writing his letters, he still magnified Christ. And so our desire, want and goal is to be in him. That must be the, the overarching goal for each and every, sung, every single one of us. Am I in him? Am I in Christ? And so this message today is going to be very practical. In the sense, we can know who Jesus is, but we have to realise that we also have a part to play. You and I also have a part to play in this. Because you and I are his fingerprints in the world today. So when people look upon you, they see him. And so we're going to turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. It should come up behind me as well. Verses 6 to 10. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. When you look at this, Paul describes four characteristics of a healthy Christian. It's the next slide, Clements. Four characteristics we see here. We are firmly rooted. Like a tree in the ground, we are firmly rooted. We are being built up. Like a building under construction, we're being built up. We are established in the faith, having firm foundations or footings. And we're overflowing with gratitude or thankfulness. And all of these things, they find their core in Christ, in him, in him alone. And because Christ is fully God, and because he came and he was fully man, when those of us who believe in him, who put our faith in him, in union with him, are made full. We're made full in him. That is, we share in his fullness. Our satisfaction 
as believers is found in him alone. I've often heard it shared that Jesus Christ needs to be your number one, needs to be the first thing in your life above all else. And although I'm like, I agree with that, I don't think it is the right statement. It's not that Jesus Christ should be the, the number one thing over everything else. It is, he is the only thing above everything else. He is the one thing, the all thing. In him, all things hold together. Our satisfaction as believers is found in him alone. That is victorious living. Our satisfaction is in him, nothing else. So like I said, this is going to be practical. How does it look to give your life completely to Christ? What does it mean to give your life completely to Christ? Well, the first thing is we are to remain in him. Remain in Christ. And when I say this, I think for some of us, a passage comes to mind. It's in John 15, verses 1 to 5. Again, it will come up behind me. John 15, verse 1 to 5. Christ says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in a vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, apart from him, we can do nothing. And these were instructions by Jesus to his disciples, preparing them for his departure. He was going to go, and he was preparing them. And we read of the importance of remaining in, or as other translations say, abiding in him. And he says, I am the true vine. No vine produces good fruit unless someone who is competent cares for it. It needs to be cared for. Likewise, you and I, we cannot bear good fruit unless we are being watered by our caregiver. We have to stay connected to our caregiver. Our caregiver is Christ. We have to stay connected. And the phrase... Again, the phrase, in me, which you read in John's Gospel, is used 16 times within it. 16 times in, throughout John's Gospel, you see, in me. And each time it's referring to fellowship with Christ. Fellowship with Christ. When a believer, when you and I, when we're out of fellowship with God, occupied by the things of the world, Again, Pierce shared it last week when I turned on the news and it wasn't about what was going on in Israel, it wasn't going on what was going on in Ukraine, it was about Black Friday and how the shops were overflowing and people were fighting each other for these discounts. Consumerism. 
when we're occupied with these things, the world's agenda, so on and so forth, we will not bear the good fruit of the kingdom. Not fellowshipping with Christ prevents us from stepping into the best laid plans of God. Not reaching our full potential. If anyone knows our full potential, it's Christ. Yet we can allow the things of this world to tell us what is important. When Christ knows our full potential. And so when we look to remaining in him, remaining in Christ, it's a daily decision. As I said, other translations say, abide in me. And this is a verb. It's active. It's not passive, it's active. It's not a feeling or belief, but something we do. Every day we have to make that decision, am I going to remain in him? Am I pushing in him? Am I living in Christ? To remain in Christ is to maintain an unbroken, active connection with him. So the question is, do you consult him on a daily basis? When you wake up, is he, is he your first point of call? Or do we simply turn to him at church on a Sunday? Is this the only time you are being pointed to Christ? Because there are another six days in the week where he's meant to be your all in all. Do we truly know Christ? Are we in daily communion with him? Do we desire intimacy with Christ? Or are we only going to him when we need something? Are we making a deliberate effort to remain close to him? Because we need to, because he is the way, the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, was his words. And on this next slide, I put, I put a statement. The extent of our fruitfulness or effectiveness as believers is in direct proportion to our intimacy with Jesus. If you're not spending time in him, how can you expect to bear the good fruit of the kingdom? But if you're spending more time with Christ, him as your number one, like I said, going to him, he's your all in all, the fruit of the kingdom is going to be a natural overflow that comes out of you. Are we allowing his word to fill our minds, direct our wills, and transform our affections? I think Wish shared it on a, in the first week. He is the word made flesh. Christ is the word made flesh. We have this. This is our, this. It feeds us. Are we allowing the word to fill our minds, direct our wills, and transform our affections? And it brings into focus, when you look at this uh, passage in John 15, later on in verse 7 and 8, it says, ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. I've heard that stated. Ask whatever you want, it will be given to you. But it is in view of the whole passage there. Remaining in Christ will result in asking in harmony or subject to God's will. And most stop at verse 7. Ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. But what about verse 8, which says, it is for the Father's glory. 
that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. We have to remain in him. And not only do we have to remain in him, but the next point, we also need to seek to grow in Christ. To grow in Christ. If we're not growing in him, then we become like a stump in the ground. I put an image up. Again, Clemens, keeping you on your toes. Can you do the next slide for me? Are we just a stump in the ground? We may have roots in the soil. We may say we believe in God and his word, but to the external observer, we're just a dead stump because we're not growing in him. There are no signs of growth. There's no signs of even life. To the outside observer, we're no different to anybody else. And no plant produces fruit instantaneously. It doesn't. Though this can often be the, state, the statement of the Western church, is like the instant rewards of faith. Like the victories. You can have breakthrough today. Victory is yours today. And yes, there is truth. Like we can believe and pray and contend, and God can bring about a miraculous transformation in the moment, right there and then. But a lot of times, it's a process. In truth, it takes times for plants to grow strong enough to bear good fruit. Growing in Christ, growing in him, is the pruning effect of remaining in him. You remain in him. He's your all in all, your day to day. He's going to start pruning you. I'm going to talk to our gardeners today. I am not one yet. My wife-to-be will probably ask me to do some stuff in the garden, so I'm going to have to learn. But when you prune a plant, it's the process of cutting out useless or undesirable parts. The things that are not fruitful, the things that are dying, so that, you can, so that the plant can grow stronger. If one is displaying a lack of fruit, it's an indication that they may no longer be moving forward and no longer growing in him. Are you growing in Christ? That is the question. Are you growing in him? And in order to bear the good fruit of Christ, pruning is necessary. It's not easy. Sometimes it's a painful process. And if you look in 1 Peter 1, verses 6 to 7, again, I th thank you, Clements. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trouble. Or another translation, in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, greater worth than gold, which perishes, perishes even though refined by fire, may prove genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Victoriously living in Christ is knowing that the trials we face today are temporary. They're temporary. We know that there is an eternity beyond this life. So what we face in this life is temporary. So we can therefore rejoice today. We can rejoice. Despite suffering, because of the promise that is before us, in him, God purifies our faith 
when we go through trials and, and difficulties, God can purify us through those moments, helping us realize the inadequacy of anything other than trust in him. Do you trust in him? Our joy in trials come from a confidence in Christ. Our anchor in him, in his word, that speaks truth, that speaks life, that speaks promise. That's our anchor. Whenever you walk through difficulties, where is the first thing you're turning to? This should be our first point of call. In Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. We can celebrate in trials and hardships, because God has revealed in his word that they produce steadfast endurance within us when we rely on him. We are being shaped through them because they call on us to rely on nothing else than Christ. When you're going through trials, everything else will not be able to fill that void. The one and only thing that can fill that is Christ. The hope of his word to us. You and I, when we're growing in him, we're being made into his image. It's this beautiful word called sanctification. Heard of that? Sanctification. I love that word. It probably sounds better in other languages, like I'm looking at our, our IBTI, Spanish and Italian, probably sounds lovely in that language. In English, I love it anyway. Sanctification. But it's not a quick process. Many want it to be a quick process. That's the world we live in. Let's get it now. Let's get it now. You order something, it come next day. Growing in Christ is not a quick process. We are continually being sanctified until we see our Savior face to face. Throughout our life, we're being shaped, molded, we're growing in him. And in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Amen? And I was, look, I was looking at this word, trials. And again, it's the next slide. And in the Greek, it's this word, pirasmos. And it means approving. The trial of a man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, or constancy. An enticement to like tempta temptations. Various temptations to depart from the will of God are in view when you read trials. But there are opportunities for growth in him. If you didn't have trials, I don't think we would grow in him. Because we need them so that we rely in him. Trials are the means God can use to make believers the kind of people that bring honor to his name. 
This is victorious living, bringing honour to Christ. That's victorious living, church. It's pointing to him. And it's not on the, it's not on the, on the slide, but if you want to turn your Bibles to Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. There is a consistency in the word of God here. God's spirit and his word provide everything that is essential to godly living. Everything. Our growth in Christ will not occur apart from our diligent participation in the process. We do not passively experience Christian growth. You can't just sit back, relax and enjoy and expect to grow in him. You have to actively pursue it. Are you pursuing God on a daily basis? Are you pursuing Christ on a daily basis? We have to actively seek to grow in Christ. The Holy Spirit given to us when Jesus ascended to the throne enables us, empowers us, enables us to grow in him. What an amazing thing that is when God promised a counsellor to us. We have the Holy Spirit with us, in us, as our counsellor that can help us grow in Christ. And I want you to think of what is an example about actively pursuing God. And, you know, we've got Christmas on the horizon. The year's gone quickly, has it not? Christmas is here again. And I, of course, I get, I, you know, we may all do, you get friends and family saying, is there anything you want for Christmas? And I asked my parents for one thing. I said, can you get me an alarm clock? Hear me out. The reason being is, like I think a lot more people today, this is, this is your alarm clock. Sat next to your bed with all your snoozes on it. And it's my alarm clock at the moment. So when I go to, take a, to, to shut off my alarm clock, I'm picking up my phone. I'm turning my alarm clock. And then I, in the palm of my hand, have I got instant connectivity to distractions. Just a tap away. And you can get lost in the reels of social media and YouTube and the like. And so I said, how am I going to actively pursue Christ? Well, I said, 
Mum, dad, family, one thing I really would like is an actual alarm clock. So then I can charge my phone on the other end of the room. So then the first thing that after I turn off my alarm clock or hit the snooze button, we will do it. But then the next thing I pick up is the physical word of God. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to want to instill. It's going to be a process. It's not going to be easy because I've been so used to this next to my bed. It's going to be like, come and pick me up. <laughs> but it's going to be on the other side of the room. And so I'm going to set my alarm clock there and I'm going to set the Bible next to my bed so that I turn the alarm off. The first thing I pick up is the word of God. I want to actively pursue Christ. Do you want to actively pursue Christ? Do you want to grow in him? We have to get his word into us. So we have to remain in him, grow in him. But then, third thing, we radiate Christ. Next slide. We radiate Christ. This is our mandate as followers of God. As Piers said again last week in this, this covenant we are in with God, when we put our faith in him, you cannot negotiate with God. Radiating Christ is a non-negotiable in the kingdom. It's a non-negotiable. The key to victorious living is we radiate the one through whom the greatest victory was accomplished. We radiate Christ. And in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 6, it says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And if you profess that you believe in God and have faith in him, then you know Christ to some extent. However, some of us know him more fully and intimately than others. And we must be careful that we don't backtrack, that we don't slip back. Are we living out what we're professing to believe? Are we living and walking as Jesus did in our day to day? If we are in Christ and we're growing in Christ, then his love is perfected in us. We've perceived it, responded to it, and it's outworking on our lives has refined and shaped our behavior and how we live. It's transforming us into his likeness. And this radiates out of us. So walking as Jesus did is a life of obedience. It's obedience to him. Again, another statement, 24 times in this letter, in 1 John, is the word abide used. See, we're going full circle back again. Abiding in him means behaving like him. Through the Holy Spirit, Christ manifests his life through us. This is victorious living. We radiate the nature of Christ rather than just pursue the byproducts of faith. We pursue Christ. 
And in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, we see our new nature in Christ is displayed. This is how it should be seen. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. This is what it means to live in the Spirit. This is what it means to live in Christ. These things become displayed, become outworked in our life. Nine qualities we see there exist as a unit that have to do with Christ-like character. And this is why the Word of God is so important. It nourishes us, but also sows into us, cultivating the fruit of Christ-likeness, the inner working of the Spirit that will benefit and shine out to others. And one final passage to share with you is in 1 Corinthians. Again, Paul's word here to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 15. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. That's an active call. Stand firm. You can't passively stand firm. It's active. <clears throat> Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to Jesus. Death may rob us of mortal life, but in him is the doorway to eternal life. Through Christ is the doorway to eternal life. And at the beginning of this message, I shared how the focus was living victoriously by growing in him. That statement, living victoriously by growing in him. And I want to suggest a bit more of a fully, fuller statement that adds weight to that. Again, next slide, please, Clement. In Christ... We are rooted and established, refined and commanded to go and do as he did for the glory of his name. That is what living victoriously is all about. A commitment to remain in him, to grow in him, and follow his will through all trials and tribulations, hardships and more, because the greatest of victories has been won upon the cross. Therefore, we must go and labor in this world, being the fingerprints of God for the glory of his name. That is victorious living. Amen? Are you remaining in Christ? That is the question. Are you remaining in him? Maybe some of you have slipped. We can be honest. I think I put my hands up again. The moment, there have been moments when getting into this has been a challenge. But we must persevere. Persevere. Are you growing in Christ? Are you just a stump in the ground? You may profess to believe this, but there's no fruit. You're not growing. Jesus' invitation to come and remain in him, come abide in him, is for all of us. And I think in this church, there are some that need to surrender to him again. To come before his throne, fall on your knees and say, yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I need you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.